Hey everyone, this is Caleb, and I'm so grateful that you've decided to spend a little bit of your day here listening to the Learner's Corner podcast. Today, I am beginning a brand new series to where I am looking back on some of the things that I've learned in 2021. And so I would love to hear what you've learned in 2021 as well. And the best way that you can reach out to me is a learner's corner podcast at gmail.com. Or if you have an idea of some topics and guests that you would love us to cover in 2022, please hit me up there as well. Now, if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast, I do want to let you know that there's two things that drive a lot of what we do here on the podcast. And the first thing is this, it's the belief that we believe that we, uh, <laughs> I, I, what? I was getting them out of order, but we're just going to go out of order anyway, that we believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone and from anything and from everything, regardless of whether or not we agree with them 100%. And the second thing is this, is that we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations. And uh, whether or not you've been listening throughout this whole year, or you are listening to your first episode, you're going to find both of those things to be the case. Now, what I want to do, as I mentioned in this episode, and we're going to be doing this for multiple episodes here, is looking back on some of the biggest things and some of the biggest and most important things that I have learned uh, for my own growth this year. And so any resources that I mentioned will be in the show notes. Now let's dive in. On this episode, I want to look back on some of the things that I've been learning in 2021 and some of the things that I've been thinking about this year as it concerns the the kingdom of God and the church. And some of these things are, um, you know, attached to different resources or different books or podcasts or videos or articles that I've been reading in some of them. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I discovered the book first or the, th- or whatever the resource was first. And then other times, uh, it's stuff that I've been thinking about. And then the resource seemed to come along later. And so for me, the first thing that really stood out to me, really that got me thinking about this idea of the kingdom of God is N.T. Wright's book, How God Became King. And in it, you know, kind of, kind of the premise behind it is he talks about that there's a missing part of uh, the four gospel accounts of Jesus's life that we tend to overlook and how the gospels are actually the story of God becoming king through Jesus. And, you know, he has, uh, and it's, and it's really got me thinking about this idea that there are there are two different types of kingdoms. You know, typically, you know, it's thought of as, you know, there's the kingdom of God and then what's commonly referred to as, you know, the, the kingdom of darkness, which you can, um, you know, kind of file under all, like all the evil in the world that happens in that. However, I, I've really started thinking and realizing that, um, I, I just don't think it is that, um, I just don't think it's that too. 
or those those two things. Yes, definitely the kingdom of God, and yes, I I actually do believe uh, that there is that there is a a kingdom of darkness as well. However, I think what can often get overlooked in that is the kingdom of self and how each of us have our own little kingdoms as well. And we, um, and we try to control those kingdoms and what happens in, you know, our quote unquote lands, our quote unquote castles, our, our kingdoms. And, you know, there's this quote in there in the book and it's in, N.T. Wright says, you know, the establishment of God's kingdom means the dethroning of the world's kingdoms, not in order to replace them with one another of basically the same kind, you know, one that makes its way through superior force of arms, but in order to replace it with one whose power is the power of the servant and whose strength is the strength of love. And realizing that there's a stark difference between my own kingdom, which, if I'm if I'm going to be honest, is often for my own benefit, and the kingdom of God, which is for, you know, just just as, um, you know, N.T. Wright was writing about, is used through the power of the servant and through and through that of love, and. Honestly, this is still stuff that I'm I'm learning a ton about, but it is it is making me think about that and how we can either join in the kingdom of God and choose the path of love or we can choose the kingdom of self, which ultimately I think leads us to the kingdom of darkness, because if you are consumed with your own kingdom, then ultimately what happens is that we choose ourselves above everyone else. I just know for myself, it's very easy for me to deceive myself into thinking that I am, I am serving, you know, the the kingdom of God, or I am serving some greater purpose than my own, and in reality, I'm I'm not always sure. And that's the tough thing about this is you know one of one of the most challenging things to me that I've been thinking about this year, as it pertains to um, the kingdom of God, is you know constantly, all throughout the Gospels. You know, Jesus says, you know, you you think the kingdom of God is this way, and actually it's this way. And a lot of it boils down to, you know, you've you've heard it said, or you've been told, or you you know that the tradition is that if you do so and so action, you know, it is a sin. It is wrong, it is harmful to others. And he goes ahead and raises the standard and says, it's not, it's it's actually much more difficult than that, because not only is it your actions? But it's more it's deeper than that. It is your intentions as well. What do you intend to do? You know, you you've heard it said that it's wrong to commit murder or to commit adultery. And I say to you, if you have hate in your heart, if you look, you know, if you look at someone lustfully, 
then you have committed the same sin. And it's just so challenging to me and so convicting to me. And why I don't think it's a question that we can ultimately um, write off. And it's very easy, I think, for us to deceive ourselves into thinking that we are serving one kingdom when we are very much um, serving another, even unintentionally. But the great thing is, is that God invites us to to join him into his kingdom and to submit our kingdoms to that. And so that's one of the things that has really struck me this year. Another thing that really got me uh, thinking, and it, and it might be a little bit strange if you, uh, if you know this, um, but one of the songs this year that has probably made me think more than any other song is the song called Lonely by Machine Gun Kelly. Now, if you're not familiar with the song, uh, it it is uh, it is a, an incredible song. It's one of my favorite songs that I heard uh, for the first time this year, even though the album came out in 2020. Um, but he's he writes about his his up and down relationship with his dad, and I'm going somewhere with this. What what made me think about this song so much? He's and it, uh, you know I was reading through this article, and he said, you know, I think that song wrote itself as I. I was watching my father die in front of me. He added, as an artist, you write about pain. I don't, I don't know what bigger pain there is than losing your last person that you were, that you were taught you could count on. And, you know, he writes about the death of his dad and it, and just the up and down relationship that he had with it. And he has these, these powerful lyrics in there in, in the chorus. And he says, And he sings, lonely, lonely, even when the room is full, I'd trade it, trade it. I would trade it all for you. Lonely, lonely, even when the room is full. I'm lonely, lonely, lonely without you. And the thing that it has uh, encapsulated for me more than any other song this year is this idea of, is our gospel good news? And thinking for, you know, for me being a follower of Jesus, is the gospel good news for Machine Gun Kelly? And now, I, I truly believe that it is. I believe that the good news, or that the gospel is good news for everyone. However, the the thing that gets me thinking is, do we actually talk that way? Is there room for this type of pain in the church? Is there room for this type of anguish? Is there room for this type of loneliness? Is there room for this type of hurt? And so, so many times, I just don't think that there is. And, you know, this is, this is something that I'm, I'm still, I'm still thinking, I'm still thinking about a lot and I'm trying to formulate my thoughts more into a, um, into a cohesive thing or a a cohesive, uh, outline because of, um, of just some content that I'm trying to work through and trying to, you know, um, um, summarize some of the things that I've been learning in my life recently, but I often don't think that it is. 
And the reason is, is because I think one of the things that has infected the church so much is, um, is the prosperity gospel that everything has to turn out. Okay. That everything is up into the right. I mean, if, and if you, and again, I'm, I'm not totally against all worship music, but if you listen to the majority of worship music, what does it sound like? Does it sound like good news for machine gun Kelly? I don't know. That's just something that I'm thinking about right now. And literally I've been thinking about it all year. Is the gospel good news for everyone? Because if it's not good news for everyone, then it's not the gospel. The next thing that I've been thinking about, and honestly, uh, this this has been more of an I an idea that I've been thinking about, and then literally just just very recently, um, I I heard a great reference to it, and it's this idea, um, and it's and it's referenced in this conversation between uh, Dr. Crawford, Loritz, and Andy Stanley, which they had very recently, and um, and Dr. Crawford asked this question. He said, is Christianity the reference point or the context? You know, in other words, is, is Christianity, is following Jesus integrated into everything that we do, or is it just a part of our lives? Is it just another thing? Do we compartmentalize that? Is it that I go to church on Sunday and, you know, I do my thing for the rest of the week or in in this case, do I, um, you know, do I spend time praying and reading scripture in the morning or whatever that happens? Um, and, and do I allow it to affect the rest of my day? Do I not only allow a certain time or a certain place for Jesus or, you know, for the kingdom of God, or do I allow it to infiltrate every single area of my life. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is the question that I posed at the very beginning from from Dr. Crawford. Is Christianity the reference point or is it the context through which I see everything, every area of life, every part of my day? Do I integrate it into my life? Another article that really, uh, I feel like categorized, or I don't know if categorized is the right word, but summarized and clarified a lot of the things that I was thinking and feeling is uh, from the Atlantic, and it's from uh, Peter Wenner, and the article is called The Evangelical Church is Breaking Apart. And I, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I want to, uh, talk about in here. And so all, I want to read some of the, um, some of the lines and everything and kind of interject some of my commentary into it as well. He starts out and he says, you know, the historian George Marsden told me that political loyalties can sometimes be so strong that they create a religious like faith that overrides or even transforms a traditional faith. In other words, you know, our our political uh our our 
our political parties, which we choose to align ourselves with. In fact, our, our loyalties can be so great that we choose to supersede those over our religious convictions. And, you know, for the, for, um, for some cases it might be, you know, we choose, uh, to associate with the, the democratic party or, or the Republican party or being a libertarian more than our faith and allegiance to Jesus in that he, he continues. And he says, uh, this, the first step was the cultivation of the idea within the religious right that certain political positions were deeply Christian, according to Marston. In other words, you know, that we, we can sometimes conflate or, you know, on the religious, on the religious right, that we could sometimes, you know, create the idea or maybe deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, hey, yeah, because it is a Republican, then that means that it is for Jesus and they are separate things. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't overlap on both, on, on all sides as well with uh, following Jesus. But that doesn't mean that there is a complete, because <laughs> that doesn't mean that just because something is Republican or just because something is Democratic means that it is something that Jesus would go along with. Werner continues and he says, when, uh, actually, Werner quotes Marsden, and Marsden says, when Trump was able to add open hatred and resentments to the political religious stance of true believers, tribal instincts seem to have become overwhelming, which explains some of the past, you know, five or six years. He continues on later in the article and, and says, Tim Schultz, the president of the First Amendment Partnership and the advocate for religious freedom, told me that evangelicalism was due a reckoning. Tim goes on to say, and he he has been held together, or it has been held together by political orientation and sociolo sociology more than by common theology. He said, the twin crises of the summer of 2020, COVID, and a heightened awareness of enduring racial injustices exposed this long unnoticed truth. You know, saying that it 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 wasn't our religious convictions or our theology that united us more. Then it was other factors than that. He later goes on and, quote, and quotes James Ernest, who says, What we're seeing is a massive discipleship failure caused by massive cate cate catechesis failure. Now, if you're not familiar with that, and truthfully, I really wasn't familiar with that either until I started reading this article. Uh, Catechesis, uh, it is religious instruction given to a person in preparation uh, for, for the faith and is often, you know, with, uh, with the catechism and everything. And so, uh, you know, and then, then he quotes from uh, another person from Alan Jacobs and says, culture catechizes. And Alan Jacobs is a distinguished professor of humanities in the honors program at Baylor University. He said, and he later goes on, you know, Peter later goes on and says, culture teaches us what matters and what views we should take about what matters. Our current political culture, Jacobs argued, has multiple technologies and platforms for catechizing. Television, radio, Facebook, Twitter, and podcasts among them. People who want to be connected to their political tribe. The people they are like, who think are like them. The people they think are on their side. 
subject themselves to its catechists all day long, every single day, hour after hour after hour. And he continues in the article and says, on the flip side, many churches aren't interested in the catechists, catechists at all. They focus instead on entertainment because entertainment is what keeps people in their seats and coins in the offering plate. But as Jacobs pointed out, even those pastors are really committed, even those pastors who are really committed to catechists get to spend on average less than an hour a week teaching people or teaching their people. Sermons are short, but when people's values are shaped by media they consume rather than by the religious leaders and communities, that has consequences. What all those media want is engagement, and engagement is most reliably driven by anger and hatred, Jacobs argued. They make bank when we hate each other, and so that hatred migrates into the church, which doesn't have the resources to resist it. The real miracle here is that even so, in the mercy of God, many people do find their way to places of real love of God and their neighbor. And this very idea that what I'm talking to, that what Pete is getting or Peter is getting after after in his Atlantic article is something that has been I've been thinking about it so much throughout 2021. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I started doing things like my library episodes and why I'm I'm giving you resources through that and why I do things like the learner's corner. That's why I read. A ton. It's why I listen to a lot of different things as well. And it's got me thinking about what is the church's role, just as what they were saying. And to me, that is that is very clearly a discipleship issue. And that, you know, more, more people spend time listening to, you know, their uh CNN or Fox News or NS MSNBC or name whatever podcast host you want to listen to. And they're spending, you know, more than double, sometimes, I was going to say, not even sometimes, triple. Sometimes, most of the time is probably somewhere in the, in the range of five to tenfold, if not more, being, being uh, educated, or even, I would even use the word discipled by something. And I think that kind of leads me to to the other thing that I've been thinking about is that it is the church's responsibility to talk about these things and not in a political way. But there are very clearly times to where there are things that happen to where you know it inter- it intersects with the teachings of Jesus. And you know it's it's just very interesting when you read through the gospels and as I mentioned earlier, you know, reading through how God became king and realizing how subtle Jesus was at defying the kingdom of Rome and the the political nature and not not backing away from it, but addressing it in very shrewd ways, in very strategic ways as well. And so that's something that I've been thinking about is how as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, how do we do that as the church? How do we do that as well? And I have some ideas, and it's, and it's things that I'm working through. And honestly, this is this is a far greater thing that I am I am spending a lot of time figuring it out. And as I 
continue to move forward through it and continue to formalize my my thoughts and my ideas. I'm definitely going to be sharing them here on the Learner's Corner as well. But just realizing that that many times, and this, and I guess this kind of goes back to you know what I was saying with the Machine Gun Kelly thing as well, is that we need to be willing to dive into the harshness of reality, and we need to be willing to talk about the the dif- the difficult subjects to where it is not easy to talk about and i think one of the things that i've just been challenged i mean i feel like i've i've said that a lot throughout this episode but one of the things that i've been thinking about is how jesus was not always liked by everybody there were there were many people and you know i think we i think we um I think we can tell ourselves that it was just the Pharisees who didn't like him, but it was the Roman government who persecuted him. The Pharisees were used in that, but the Roman government who who were the ones who persecuted him in that. And like you look back to the prophets and many times they had to give hard truths. And that doesn't mean that we, you know, are, are jerks about it. That doesn't mean that we are, um, mean or degrading or dehumanizing in it. But many times I think we can fall for the trap of being liked or being influential instead of helping usher in the kingdom of God. And then another thing, and I, I've been you know, this is this is an idea that, uh, you know, was on was on my horizon. You know, at least five or six years ago, but I I feel like I've started investigating it more. Is what does unity in the church actually look like? And and realizing that Jesus placed such great emphasis on this, like like if you if you read throughout the Gospels, particularly in John seventeen, he he places such emphasis on that. And one of the things that it's led me to do is to start figuring out, okay, what are, what are the things that are most important in faith? What are the things that we should, uh, you know, as, as it pertains to other followers of Jesus, what are, what are the non-negotiables of that? And realizing that there is a big gap between the non-negotiables and everything else. The way that I've started thinking about it is, you know, I, I kind of say that there's, there's tiers of faith. There's level one tiers. And then there's no level two, and then there's level three, because there is such a big gap between what is tier one, what is everything else, that it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter, but we place too much emphasis, I think, on tier three and below than what is on tier one. And two of the people that have, uh, you know, helped me just talk about this and learn about it is two people who were on the podcast. One one is Tim Muehlhoff, another is... Uh, Rick Langer, we did a couple of episodes with them, you know, talking about uh, their book, how to dis- or uh, winsome, uh, winsome conviction, uh, how to disagree without dividing the church, and we talked about you know promoting healthy disagreement, how to spike, how to speak with divisive people, and learning to have difficult conversations in the church. 
And I think I'm just realizing that this is just stuff that's not, it's not going to go away. It's going to become more and more prevalent and realizing that we need to become better at having these types of conversations. And then I think for me, the the last thing that I want to talk about is, and it just, and it kind of ties into what I said at the beginning, at the beginning of what kind of kingdom are we creating or what kind of culture are we creating? Is it one that is good? And we've talked about that a lot on the, on the podcast this year, but those are just some of the things that I'm thinking about. A lot of those things I'm still, I'm still going to keep thinking about them and I'm going to organize them into more, uh, coherent thoughts, more, um, more structured thoughts, more organized thoughts. And yeah. So what have I been learning about in 2021? I've been learning a lot about the kingdom of God and I've been learning a lot about the church. Whatever resources or uh, ideas that you heard from this episode today, I would encourage you to check out the show notes to continue to learn more about those things. Also, if you have an idea or someone that you would love for us to talk to in 2022, please reach out to me at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. And I do want to say thank you to Garrett Oler for doing the editing on this podcast. And thank you to Sam Massey for providing the music for this podcast as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. That's all that I have for you today. My name is Kayla Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.